0: Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Today we're going to talk about holy desire. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at the first uh, verses of Matthew chapter 3 together. Verses 1 to 12. And we're in the midst of our fast, as Margaret said, our our holy desire. This one thing I desire, Psalm 27:4, is the focus of the fast. But I shared with you on the first Sunday of this year that holy desire is our word for the year. And then that's just something the Lord impressed on me, and that's what we're living into. And so I appreciated Joshua ministering powerfully last week and sharing from Psalm 27:4. It was a great message and uh, anointed and impactful for our lives. And today, I want to talk about another aspect of holy desire. Baptize us with your fire. Baptize us with fire. That's one of our prayers that we're actually going to be participating in for the whole year. So, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you that you are here with us right now, that you are present and we acknowledge you and we thank you for being with us. And Lord, we, we're in the midst of praying that you would recalibrate our hearts and our lives that we might be a people of one thing, that we might be a people of holy desire who seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. Lord, it's just easy to get out of whack. It's easy for us to get off target But God, we're asking that you would move in our lives. There are a number of distractions and demands. Lord, there are pandemics. There are so many things tugging at us. And Lord, we want to be a people who keep our eyes focused on you. We want to be a people of your presence. And so as we're in the middle of this fast, God, we're asking not just grace to fast, but we're asking for grace to meet with you. We ask that you would speak. We ask that you would change us. And we recognize, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we are transformed from glory to glory as we even dimly behold you. So thank you for spiritual practices like prayer and fasting. Thank you for worship like today where we can gather and encounter you in your temple. Thank you, Lord. And now would you speak to us, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you're saying this morning, and we pray for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Holy desire, that was an impression that the Lord gave me back in November, and I kept praying about it and seeking the Lord, and that became the word that I felt like was the word for us for this year, and Augustine testified that the entire life of a good Christian, is nothing less than holy desire. And what is holy desire? Holy desire is a longing which draws us near to God and to his purposes. One of the primary focuses of holy desire is intimacy with our living God. The one desire, the desire for intimacy with God, it gives birth to every other holy desire. So When you're doing a spiritual practice like fasting and prayer, the goal is not simply to survive fasting. Amen? Like that's, I've got to admit, when I'm doing a long fast, sometimes uh, I actually don't pray quite as well because I'm focused on just surviving, just keeping faithful in the fast. But the purpose is to draw near to God. The purpose is to have our hearts and lives aligned, realigned with God in intimacy. Again, Augustine made a statement. He said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And so the reason why we fast is we say no to something to say a better yes. Amen? We want to say yes to God. We want to say yes to meeting with him. We want to say, Lord, our hearts, our groaning, our our angst, that restlessness in us, we say, only you can satisfy And so we're coming to him to say that, and so we're positioning ourselves, and we're acknowledging what's really real. More than we need, whatever it is that we're giving up in the fast, more than we need this, oh God, we need more of you. And so would you help us? And uh, for me, I've had a lot of people, as they've entered into the practice of fasting, that fasting has been a time when God encountered them and they had incredible revelation and things like that. I found that in my own life, fasting has been a tenderizing process. I have found that fasting has created more capacity for me to experience the Lord. And I have found that God is at work in my life and I'm not always aware of what He's doing, even in something like this season, these 21 days. But I want you to know, I know that God is moving and God is at work in me and in you. So I want to thank you for taking up the mantle and for fasting. In uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it's the last phrase of a prophetic word that John the Baptist gave. He said that Jesus would come and he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. By the way, our prayer today... Our prayer in this place is baptize us with fire, your holy desire, Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't get anything else out of the message, I pray that there will be something stirred up in you that says, Lord, immerse me, baptize me with fire, with your holy desire, Lord Jesus. That's what I'm asking that we carry out and we carry from this place. So we want to read to get the context of the third part of Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Let's look at the context of verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the heaven kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for him. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel hair, And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious rulers of the day, coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? "...produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We could spend a lot of time just unpacking all the revelation in this passage. I guess I would just like to make a couple of comments before I get into the to the the. The the bulk of the sermon that I want to do. But it says that the Pharisees and Sadducees were coming out there where he was baptized. And you see, God was moving so powerfully through John, the forerunner, he was embodying a message, a mass a message as the forerunner preparing the way for the coming of the King of Glory. He was embodying this and people they actually found him they went out to where he was and the scripture tell us that they went out there and they were confessing their sins and they were being baptized now i want you to know that for the people of the jewish faith they don't get baptized they baptize people that are converting But the people that are Jews don't get baptized and they don't publicly confess their sins like this. But they were going out there, they recognized by the gift of the Holy Spirit that something new was happening and when the spirit of conviction came, they got in action. They got in action by saying, we want to be washed, we want to have this as the sign that we're being cleansed and we want freedom from our sins now the spiritual leaders the Sadducees and the Pharisees they came out there but it came to where he was doing it they were coming to observe they didn't come to partake and so he uses that phrase you brood of vipers I mean it's like if you light a bonfire if there's any snakes around they're gonna leave the area right and so there's, there's something going on, and, and they've come, but rather than entering into it, they came to observe, or to measure, or to evaluate, or, or whatever was in their hearts. But they didn't submit to what God was doing, this new thing, nor did they confess their sins and repent. But John says, I'm baptizing you with water signifying repentance it says for repentance but it's signifying that you have repented and you have entered into a changed heart and a changed life and so that's what my baptism is but he said after me will come one who's more powerful than i whose sandals i'm not fit to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire Now we know that throughout history, whenever God is about to move, he sends people to prepare for the coming of the Lord. He raises up intercessors. He raises up people giving a clarion call. He raises up people like Anna and Simeon. Sometimes it takes a lifetime, but they were available in the temple ready to anoint and pray for the Lord Jesus as he was presented in the temple. When God gets ready to move, he raises up a people to announce it and to point to what God is doing. A people who are ready, a people who are who are desirous, a people who are desperate for God's new move in the earth. God is trying to wake up his people to bring revival, to bring an awakening. And I believe this, as we pray for our nation, I believe this, we are gonna see the outpouring of the Spirit, and we're gonna experience it, and we will experience it either by passion or by persecution. We're either gonna do this thing voluntarily and say, God, we welcome you, we bow the knee, we acknowledge your rulership, we say, come and have your way, realign our lives, you are the king of heaven and earth, as we sang earlier, and so help us to get rid of whatever doesn't fit in alignment with you, help us to to get rid of any baggage or things that encumber us. And Lord, help us to live as a people for you. We'll either do that out of the motivation of fiery love because we love God and we're passionate, or he will drive us to our knees either by passion or we will be driven there by persecution or even judgment. My prayer is that God's people will voluntarily yield and kneel out of hearts of passion rather than being driven to our knees through persecution and judgment. But I really believe that God is up to something, and he's trying to get our attention. Now, I say all that to say, a friend of mine pointed out that I've now been alive for several decades. That was very rude. But I've been around for a little bit. And you know, in the 90s, when the economy was going nuts, and we were experiencing us and restore us back to him... And then at the late 80s and the early 90s, we had wars that were breaking out and things that were happening. And there was, there was all sorts of shaking. And I thought, surely God's going to get our attention now. And then in the 90s, we had the dot-com crash and people lost everything. You remember Enron here, we had people who lost their entire life savings and, and their pension funds and it was all gone. And I thought, maybe this is the season. And then September the 11th, 2001, 9-11 came, and I thought, surely this is the wake-up call that will get us to return to our God. And there was, in all of these seasons, there was a little bit of prayer, there was a little bit of a washing up on the shores, but it didn't do what I thought it would do. And then we fast forward through a couple of decades, and you would think that a pandemic sweeping the earth would cause people to bow and to surrender and to call out to the Lord. He did not cause a pandemic, but the Bible says that he is able to work all things together for good, who love him and who are called according to his purpose, which is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. You know, people are talking about today, let's get back to the new normal, let's, or let's get back to whatever wake-up call. Calvary, I don't know what everybody else is going to do, but I pray that you and I will be a people whose hearts are so in love so aflame for the Lord Jesus Christ that we'll live as those forerunners. We'll live as those people who say, let me tell you about the beauty of my God. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing. And we want to invite you to get in on it. And we won't do that as an academic exercise, but we'll do that as shining lights, as people who are flaming torches in this hour And so everybody else might not do that, but I pray that we'll be that kind of people in this hour. I pray our hearts will burn. So John said in his prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know from reading the Old Testament, you've seen that the Holy Spirit came on just a few people, one person, maybe a a, a few, and he did that occasionally throughout the Old Testament, but there was a longing. Remember when uh, the Lord told Moses to give of the Spirit that was on him, and he gave it to the 70, and the two weren't there in the camp, they were outside when it happened, but the Holy Spirit fell on them, those elders too, and, and... And the people around Moses concerned because the Holy Spirit was being poured out. Then he says, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all God's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. In Numbers chapter 11 verse 29. And then in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 to 29. God promised that one day he was going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he said it wasn't going to be just on one person here or there. And so all through the Old Testament, there's been this longing, there's been this desire that that people would live with the presence of the Holy Spirit on them and in them in a way that they saw in Moses and saw in some of the unique illustrations. And God promised, God prophesied, God declared that that was his will, his desire, and his intention And so John the Baptist revealed that Jesus came, and one of the reasons that he came was to fulfill this longing, not just for the Holy Spirit to come on one or two or special people for a special reason, but that we would experience the outpouring, the presence, the abiding of the Spirit of Christ with us, and he said, Jesus is going to baptize you With the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this outpouring of God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, was a game changer. Now there would be a people. There would be a whole generation. Not just a few. The revelation and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And not only would Jesus baptize with the Holy Spirit, the passage says He would baptize us with fire. Several years ago, as I was praying through this passage... I was asking the Lord, and I felt like at that time the Lord gave me an understanding that there is a a, a submersion, there is an immersion in the Holy Spirit where God's Spirit touches us in such a way that it's undeniable. He comes on us, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and empowers us to be witnesses, ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ in our spheres of influence, even to the uttermost parts of the world, that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but the fire is different than the Holy Spirit. You see, scholars have argued, and they see it differently. They see the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire are probably the same things, something scholars say, referring to Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came and there were cloven tongues of fire that came upon the people of God, in Acts chapter 2, for the birth of the church. And then others have said that the fire represents the fire of judgment. If you look back in this passage, verse 12 actually talks about fire, and it talks about the fire of judgment in this passage. And so the reality is, I believe, that, and then some others believe, that the fire represents action of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's where I have come to. I believe that these are two things, that they are two separate things. One is you and I need the touch, the empowerment, the revelation, the encounter with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Ephesians chapter five says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? There's not just a one time encounter with the Holy Spirit. We need all of the Holy Spirit that we can get and we want him to have all of us. And so we don't just have a one-time experience and we've arrived. No. We keep on getting filled, experiencing God. But there is a, a, a reality where God becomes real to us in no uncertain terms in, our, our, in our, our flesh, in our outer man in such a way that we move in power And it's undeniable that this is God, this is not us. And Jesus is full of fiery passion, and he doesn't baptize us just with the power of God, but he wants to touch our lives with the fire of God that sets us ablaze for God. Now think about it. Fire can be good or bad, right? Like in this season of cold in Houston, Texas, Fire can heat your home or it can destroy home, right? Or fire can purify and purge or it can consume or destroy. But in this passage, I believe that Jesus has actually given us a promise through the Scripture, through John the Baptist, that I'm going to baptize you with the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to experience my fiery fiery love and zeal. Jesus is a person of passion. He is a man of passion and his heart and his life are on fire. Jesus' life and his heart are on fire. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, when we have the revelation of Jesus there to John, he looked at him and the scripture says his eyes are like blazing fire. And a lot of people think that's, you know, because they've been around people whose eyes were on fire and it's usually in anger, right? They're usually burning. They, they want to they see somebody pay. But I want you to know that's not what Jesus' eyes, that's not who he is. His eyes are passionately burning for his bride. The bridegroom king is in love with his bride, and he is a man of fiery passion. If you've been around people that are on fire, that are in love, you see this flame in their eyes, don't you? Man, they're focused on one thing, or or some people get a vision for uh, this uh, thing that they're selling, or this thing that they're doing, or this project they're working on, or, or have you ever gotten around grandparents who have six million pictures of their grandchildren, right? I mean, their eyes are just on fire. I want you to know, Jesus' eyes are like burning, blazing fire. Then in John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says, "'I have come to bring fire on the earth, "'and how I wish that it were already kindled.'" Jesus came to set fire on the earth, not the fire of judgment, But the fiery revelation of the kingdom of God, that passage is talking about. And when the revelation of the kingdom of God comes, it does divide. It divides families. It divides communities. It divides people. Because John says, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus says the same thing in Mark, uh, in, in Matthew Uh, Mark chapter uh, 3, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says the exact same thing. When the kingdom of God draws near, it demands a choice. It demands a response. And so Jesus is a person who comes to bring fire on the earth, and yes... There will be family member divided against family member, community member against community member, even nations against nations. But he's not coming to divide. He's actually coming to say, repent, enter into the kingdom of God, experience. Repent is to stop going your way and come join what God is doing in his way. Our God, Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire is a consuming fire, and it's quoting Deuteronomy 4.24, which goes on to say he is a jealous God. Jealousy is a relational thing. Jesus is passionate. That's a passionate term. Our God is love. Our God is love, and his love is white hot for his people and for his creation. Jesus draws near and he, and he shows us, he, the scripture teaches us Jesus is God, God is love, and so Jesus embodies the heart of God's love for you and for me. How? In his fiery passion. Jesus is a man on fire. And then in John 2, 17, zeal for his father's house consumes him and this is quoting psalm 69 verse 9 zeal for his father's house consumes him jesus is characterized by zeal when you look at jesus you don't see somebody that's apathetic you don't see somebody that's indifferent right You see someone whose heart is alive, whose life is alive. It's so bright and brilliant that it's attracting people. It's attracting people to him. And whether they're a sinner or a saint, whether they think they're righteous or unrighteous, it's getting a reaction from those that are around. God is zealous. God is passionate in his fiery love and for Jesus, too. in Isaiah chapter nine, verse seven, it, when it's talking about the kingdom of God, and for to us, a child is, is born, to us a son is given, and it talks about what God's going to do, it actually talks about His kingdom ever expanding, never stopping, never being quitched, and it says, "The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it." Hey folks, your God is zealous. Your God is fiery. In the old testament, several times, you know, the people accuse God of being off on the backside, you know, the outhouse, taking a break somewhere. Can I tell you God's not taking a break? God has not stepped aside, and he's not like like sometimes we need to get back to the fire and get next to the fire so that we can get refired. Amen. May I tell you, our God doesn't need to get refired, He is already on fire. And he's not on fire with anger and judgment. He's not mad at you. He loves you so much that he's coming to burn up everything that hinders love in your life. Now, if you love those other things, that's bad news, right? So our world is not going to be happy as he says, this thing is not going to accomplish for you what you think it will. Why don't you surrender that to me before it gets burned up? But a lot of people are going to hold on till the deer end, and then it's just going to burn up, right? Even Christians are going to experience that. Our God is fiery. Now turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter three, verse 19. Revelation chapter three, verse 19. Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. He's talked about them being lukewarm. I wish that you were hot or cold. So if you're hot and you need something hot to drink, that's refreshing. Or if if you get a cup of cold water or something like iced tea or something on a hot day, that's refreshing. But he's saying lukewarm. That's just that's not what we're supposed to be. What benefit? What good is lukewarm? And then in verse 19. Uh, It says, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline, so be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. The fiery bridegroom king, he calls us to be men and women of passion who are zealous, people on fire. If we're lukewarm, if we're indifferent, if we're apathetic, If we're just going through the motions, Jesus says, repent and change. Don't live like that. Now, by the way, you can't keep your fire on full burn all the time. I understand that. But I want you to hear the words. If you're moving in indifference, if you're apathetic, if you're just going through the motions, that's not what God intends for your life. You don't have to live like that. You can actually ask Jesus, baptize me with fire, your holy desire, Lord Jesus. Pastor Steve shared with us years ago when he first came here, he just talked about ask God for a springtime of love for him. He was actually saying do that for your spouse. Ask God to give you a springtime of love for your spouse. But I want you to know you can pray that same thing for God, amen? God, help me to have a springtime of love. By the way, as I've traveled around the world, and they only have rainy season and dry seasons, and I shared that, Lord, give us a springtime of love for you. It didn't translate, but here, you're getting it, right? You know, what it, you know what that means. And then in John 17, 26, turn to John 17, 26. John 17, 26. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, this is what he prays. John 17, 26, I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So Jesus prays to the Father, asking the Father to help us love Jesus like the Father loves Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is a gift to us because the Father is aflame with fiery, passionate love for the Son. And Jesus says, Father, would you put that fiery, passionate love that you have for me in them so they can love me like you love me? Isn't that a great prayer? So, if you're not burning at the temperature where you want to be or where God wants you to be, we can ask, we can pray. We can say, baptize us with your fire, your holy desire, Lord Jesus. We can say, Father, would you help me to love your son like you love him? I don't want my life just to be something that is stoic and going through the motions. I want to be a person on fire for God. So we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be a people who fall in love with Jesus like the Father does. The great promise of Scripture, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. May that be our prayer in this year over and over and over again. One way to begin to experience holy desire is to ask Jesus to baptize us with his fiery, passionate love. So, we are a people, a part of our group identity is, we are a people who cry out, baptize us with the Holy Spirit Baptize us with fire, with your desire, Lord Jesus. And another way to fuel our holy desire, our passion, is through spiritual practices like fasting and prayer. By the way, fasting and prayer... God help us to be a people. Spiritual exercises, when you engage in them correctly, they help us to draw close to God. And God's heart is full of fire and passion. And so if you get next to fire, you can't help but catch fire. And so spiritual practices are a means or a way that God would stir up this holy desire. So we pray, baptize us with fire. Your holy desire, Lord Jesus. So... Get next to God. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so, in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 10, I want to remind you of what Jesus said. He said, ask and will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened." Calvary, let's be a people who keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and don't give up, and don't quit. So in 2022, with the Holy Spirit helping us, we want to fuel our desire for the Lord. We're a people of one thing. One thing have I desired, the psalmist prayed, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my lives of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to dwell. We pray, Lord, help us to be aware of your presence and your nearness at all times, to gaze. We pray, Lord, help us to see and become preoccupied With your beauty your character your nature and your personality like we sang about this morning by the way using your holy imagination and picturing revelation chapter 4 and 5 are great ways to stir up passion when you see what's going on around the throne and those creatures that have eyes everywhere As they get a new glimpse of the Lord, Joshua taught us, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. There is more to God than you could imagine. If you've arrived in your spiritual journey, I am scared for you. Because we've not arrived, right? There is more and more and more of the Lord to know and to be enthralled and captured by his beauty and then to inquire, Lord, speak to me as I speak to you in this place of worship and prayer. So David gives us something to attract to run on. How do, you, how do you want to get this one thing, desire? Hey, dwell and, and gaze and inquire of the Lord. So we're a people whose hearts and flesh cry out for the living God. We are a people who cry out, baptize us with your holy desire, Lord Jesus Christ. That's our vision and our goal for this year. And even in the midst of this practical season of fasting, that's where we are, Calvary. And I pray we'll do that together with passion. Would you please stand? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.